It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hello, and welcome to the Speedway Show. Today, we are kicking off our Thinner series, where we'll be covering good weight loss tips as you try to manage that weight cycle over the holidays. A few months ago, I did a show called Losing Weight the Right Way, which got a lot of positive and curious attention. It's actually still available on the website, www.speedway.com or thespeedwayshow.com. The follow-on to that show was called How I Lost the Weight. You can find that show also at the web uh, at the website. And if you don't feel like scrolling through all the shows, you will find the links on the posting for this particular show today. You will also find them if you go to the episode section at the top of the uh, navigation and click in the help series. Well, the latter show, How I Lost the Weight, got even more attention than the first show and sparked a lot of questions that led me to provide a list of tips that I have learned as trial and error along the way. Now that the holidays are approaching, this is the perfect time to be deliberate about your eating habits because too many of us go through the same cycle every year. You know what that is, right? Maybe we've been tootling along reasonably well with respect to our weight. Then Thanksgiving comes, and then it's followed right after that by Christmas. And many of us use Thanksgiving primarily to eat everything under the sun, just like I did a few days uh, a few days uh, over the course of Thanksgiving holiday. We go to work, and this is the time of the year when the hallways and workstations and common areas just seem to magically sprout the most delicious foods left over from gatherings and parties, and all of them are unhealthy with lots of sugar and syrup and chocolate, and I'm going hungry just thinking about it. So what happens to us? We start to reason, why? All of this food is just sitting here. I can't let it go to waste. So we take it upon ourselves to become the human garbage cans, right? We sample everything. Nothing was ever left for public consumption that was not worth a bite, right? If there are 12 cupcakes, then it's my civic duty to have at least one on my way to my desk. And when I intentionally take the same route back to the restroom, I see there are five cupcakes left. So now it's my civic duty to have a second one. So they don't end up sitting there all night. And if there are any there at the end of the day, well, I should take them home. Maybe I'm intending to share, but of course, by the time I get home, there are none left. Because getting rid of them just means I have less to carry into the house. Besides, my husband needs to be on a diet, or perhaps my wife is on a diet, or I have no business teaching my kids bad eating habits, so I better take care of these myself. This is the kind of silly logic that lulls us into a sense of acceptance of excessive consumption. Now, on the heels of Thanksgiving, here comes Christmas. We didn't really stop eating after Thanksgiving, so now it just makes sense to go on and fully enjoy Christmas. We dive headfirst into the mud puddle of excessive eating, reasoning that it's only once a year and everybody does it. So we splurge. The turkey, the eggnog, the cake, the giblet gravy, the biscuits, the greens, the ham, all of these foods 
are just calling my name such that I can hear them even in my sleep. I dream about them on Christmas Eve as I smell the wafting scent of rolls being prepared for the big day. Oh, my, what is holiday time without a ton of food? And what else can you do with all that food except eat it? So now fast forward. Christmas is over, right? And by the way, after each big meal, particularly for you men, what do you do? You sit on the couch and watch TV with beer and dessert to boot. But now that Christmas is over, what's next? Oh, yes, New Year's Eve parties. More food and lots of wine, champagne, beer, and all the things you need to celebrate. Such a momentous occasion like the dawn of a new year can only be properly and respectfully observed by significant consumptions of food and lots of drink, right? There's just no other way to celebrate, and that's exactly what you do. Then what happens the day after? You wake up 15 pounds heavier, you feel like a slug, you blame it on the hangover, although perhaps the truth is that you've been feeling lousy and ignoring it for a while. That bloated, burst-out-of-your-pants feeling didn't just start yesterday. It started on Thanksgiving Day. But you are so bent on enjoying yourself or perhaps comforting yourself because this is the time of year you hate, and uh, as a result, you ate yourself into your current sixth state. Now what? Well, you do what everybody else does at the beginning of the year. You make a lot of promises. You're not going to keep, right? And we know you won't keep them because you didn't keep them last year or the year before or the year before that. So the 15 pounds that you gained, there were 30 last year. And they're now 45 from three years before that. Incidentally, just as a statistic, Um, and perhaps I'm exaggerating, I heard a statistic uh, this past Thanksgiving that the average person gains a single pound over Thanksgiving holiday. The problem is, and it doesn't sound like much, right, except, of course, most people don't go on to lose that one one pound. I actually noticed I did gain a pound on Thanksgiving Day, and um, my goal was to get rid of that pound within the week, which I have successfully done now. So if you add that up, so let's say you gain a pound over Thanksgiving, you gain a pound over Christmas. Let's say, heaven forbid, you've been chomping away throughout the time and you've even gained three pounds by the time New Year's rolls around. And you multiply that by 10 years. That's 30 pounds in 10 years. And that's how it comes. It doesn't all show up at the same time. It creeps up on you and you just never lose it. So you just get there. And um, let's think about the gym, right, because now I've got, you know, all sorts of resolution, I've got all this resolve, I am going to the gym, I'm going to lose some weight, so off you go to the gym. You get there and you just marvel at all the lines behind all the equipment, then you start to complain and rationalize. I don't have time to go all the way to the gym. Why? Look at the cost of gas just to get there and back. And then I have to wait to use my favorite equipment, or perhaps I really like to play basketball, but my friends and I like to play, uh, or, or I. Well, let me get this right, I like to play basketball, but my friends that I like to play with are not there. Then it occurs to you over time that this isn't really fun. And those pounds aren't coming on, they're not coming off nearly as fast as you put them on. 
So you get discouraged. And then what happens? Over time, you go less and less frequently. Your stays, when you do go to the gym, become shorter and shorter. And then you look around and see that the weight isn't really coming off. So you accept it, you buy bigger clothes, you go on your merry way to start the cycle all over again the next year. Those of us who go to the gym year in, year out, we all know the cycle because what happens is at the beginning of the year, there are a ton of people at the gym, ton of new people, all these chubby people, all these people who are out of shape, all these people that you can see have not seen the inside of the gym in at least, oh, let's see, a year. And they're enthusiastic. They take up a lot of space. And, you know, if you're a regular, you just kind of forgive them because you know what's going to happen. Three months from now, all those people, most of them, will be gone. And you get a a very small number that stay, and they become regulars just like you. But you're patient because you understand this is how the cycle goes. If you listen to the show, How I Lost the Weight, you will know that I've had three distinct times in my life when I've had to lose the weight. I did it in three completely different ways, and I'm proud to say that now at age 42, I still weigh about the same and sometimes actually less than I weighed when I began my freshman year in college 25 years ago. In order to maintain my weight, I have learned some things about my relationship with food. And based on 25 years of maintaining my weight, despite going through uh, many significant happy and sad life changes and having two children and turning 40, after which your body is supposed to just go downhill and you gain weight just by looking at food, I am here to share with you some of the things that I have learned. As we go through the thinner series, we're going to start today. We're going to talk about thinking thinner. I will happen to tell you that I'm not a doctor. I am not giving you medical advice. I'm not a psychologist. And I suggest you consult your doctor before you make any significant changes to your eating or exercise habits. But we're going to start with just some tips. And these are just real everyday life tips that I have come to rely on in the def- in the definition of my weight loss success. And we're going to start with thinking thinner today because so much of who we are is defined by our thoughts. There are studies that have been done that tell you quite unequivocally that that which you think is that which you become. If you think yourself successful, you will become successful. If you think yourself a failure, you will never amount to anything beyond the limits of what's between your own two ears. And that's why your thoughts make such a difference. Weight loss is not about going to the gym. It's not about eating less. It's about thinking. It's about what you believe about yourself in your own mind. If you believe that you will always be a fat slob, you will always be overweight, you will always be struggling with your weight, you will always be unhappy, you will always be that that chubby person, you will always be the person that you hate looking at in the mirror, that is exactly the reality that will come to you. If, on the other hand, you think to yourself, self, I can do anything that I want. I am not going to be a victim of my weight. Once, for me, the very first thing that I thought of that turned the corner was, All the food that I eat defines my weight. My weight is defined by what goes into my mouth. I looked at my body and I I saw this great big body and I saw this teeny tiny mouth. And I thought, how interesting that this teeny tiny mouth is the only avenue that food can get into my body. So I refuse 
to be defined by this teeny tiny mouth. My brain is a lot more powerful than my mouth, and my mouth is not going to control what the rest of my body looks like. It just doesn't make sense to me that this little mouth can control this body and define how big or how small this body is. When I decided that I was no longer going to be a victim of my mouth and that I had the willpower to shut it and not let things get through it, that I did not, that my brain didn't want to go through it, that was the day that I lost the weight. And the other thing is, it's called the thinner series and not the thin series because skinny is not the goal. Thin is not the goal. Thinner may be your goal, okay? I have never wanted to be skinny. In my culture, in my country, actually what you're supposed to do is you are supposed to gain weight as you age because it is a sign, especially for married women, it is a sign that your husband is taking good care of you and he is feeding you and he is providing for you. If you are a man, you are supposed to gain weight because it demonstrates that you are happily married and your wife is cooking well in your household and things are good. So there are lots of different ideas about weight. Um, and, And a lot of it is culturally defined, right? So in the United States, there is this idea that the skinnier you are, the better. And, you know, there's a lot of hand-wringing over what is the image that we are promoting for our children. We're turning them into bulimics. We're turning them into, you know, kids with um, uh, bad eating habits and eating disorders because there is this excessive focus on being skinny. So skinny is not the goal. If you are a size 22, perhaps your goal is to become a size 16. If you are a size 16, perhaps you'd be thrilled if you were a size 10. I was a size 10, and I was my goal was to be a size 6. And so it wasn't to be a size 0, it wasn't to be a size 2. That is still not my goal. My goal was to be smaller, thinner, but it was not to be thin. So everybody's goal is different. So start with a realistic idea of what it is that success looks like for you, and don't let anybody else dictate what that is. So that's the first thing. The other thing that I would suggest to you is don't get addicted to the process. I lost the weight. Now what? Why go to the gym? What's my goal now? I actually have had that crisis when I hit my ideal weight. It's like, okay, what do I do now? What am I going to focus on now? What am I going to think about now that I don't have to spend all this time thinking and and worrying about my weight and what food I'm eating? So that's the other thing that I want you to remember. Don't turn it into such a lifelong addiction that the process is what you end up being addicted to so that you have this yo-yo thing where you gain and you lose and you gain and you lose because that becomes the game. So as you're thinking about your thinner self, also think in healthy ways. The other key is knowing how to lose weight. And once you figure out how to do it for you, you will never again be afraid of being overweight. If you do splurge over the holidays, you know how to address it afterwards. Thanksgiving came along and I gained every bit of the 2,500 calories. I ate the 2,500 calories that the New York Times say we all eat over Thanksgiving. Was I worried about it? No, because that was not a lifelong thing for me. I was not going to eat like that all week. I had not eaten like that all year. And I was at the gym the morning of Thanksgiving, I was at the gym the morning after Thanksgiving, and I knew that because I knew how to lose the weight, that one pound that I gained that day was not going to be there at the end of the week. The other thing to remember as you're thinking thinner 
It's not easy. There is no pill. Even surgery is not a quick fix. You have to change how much you put in your body, what you put in, and when you're putting food in your body. You may also have to address why you're eating, and that might be really hard. You might need to get help from a physical coach or even someone to help you think differently about your relationship with food because there are many times when actually your eating is not about the food at all. Eating is about comfort. Eating is about perhaps escapism. Eating is not about being hungry. For many of us, eating is not about being hungry. We eat for all kinds of reasons, and they're all, you know, many of them are just wrong reasons. So if you find that you think about your relationship with food in terms of I need it and you're not, you're not eating to live, you're living to eat, then perhaps you might need to address other things that are going on in your head. Don't be afraid to get psychological assistance. Your mind is just like your body. Just as you have physical habits, you also have thought habits. And you will be compelled to revert to your old thought habits. And if they're standing in the way of your successful health and weight loss, then you need to recognize that you do have thought habits that are driving your behaviors, and that's what you need to change first. Um, other things that you can start thinking about, start thinking differently. Rather than thinking, let me go reward myself with food because I've done this great thing or because I've accomplished this thing, find a different way to reward yourself. For example, when I am at work and I uh, finish a difficult project, rather than walking down to the vending machine to get a cookie or to get a candy bar, I instead will do something that I really like to do. I will sit down and I will answer a couple of emails because it makes me feel good to get them out of my inbox. I might walk down the hallway and go talk to a colleague or a friend or just connect with someone I haven't connected with uh, at the office in a while. I might get up and uh, walk down to our HR department because HR has this really, they have a carrying machine, which is a coffee machine, and they have the best coffee on campus. And I love the people in the HR department. So one of my treats is I go down there, I connect with them, I talk to them. I'm a lawyer, I support the HR team, and uh, we do some business. And while we do some business, I get to have a cup of coffee. So this is the way that I find to reward myself with things other than food, fattening foods, etc., Comfort yourself with something other than food. That means find different habits. Personally, I have discovered that for me, meditation goes a long, long way. And I sit down and my my meditation is God-centered meditation. I sit down, I talk to the Lord about whatever's going on in my life, whatever's going on in my day. I talk about the people that are sick and that I'm worried about and I ask God to be with them. I ask God to, you know, be with all the lost children and help the people in the tsunami and uh, who are affected by Hurricane Sandy. I mean, we just talk about everything. Everything that's on my mind, that's part of what I do, and I find it very comforting to sit with God every day. And because I find that comforting, I don't have to engage in other destructive behaviors in order to find comfort. One of the other things that I love to do, I love to work at Barnes & Noble. So, uh, my office is uh, a very long way from my house. It's about it takes me, you know, uh, 36 minutes, sometimes longer to get to work. So it's not the thing that I'm going to do on a weekend. So if I've got work that I need to get done, I enjoy going to Barnes & Noble. I sit down, I get myself a cup of coffee, and um, I park there and I work. And I find that that 
is something that I enjoy doing that is a comfort. I laugh with my kids. I go to the gym. I get on my bike and, well, I've got two bikes. I get on my motorcycle sometimes. I get on my pedal bike sometimes. I like to run around the neighborhood, literally. I'll go running in the mornings. Um, I like to work on my blog, this one. All the things that I enjoy that don't involve eating something. So find things that you like that don't involve eating. Another tip, do what you need to keep your spirits on an even and positive keel. Call your closest friend, pick up a new hobby, learn how to meditate, whatever it is. In fact, I did a a show called Stressed. These three things will help. So if you are stressed, check out that show on thespeedwayshow.com. And it will give you some ideas for other things that you can do and replace those eating habits and doing other things. Other ways that you can think differently. Find different things to focus on. So holiday time is when most of us focus a lot on food, right? Uh, Thanksgiving, we're focused on food. Christmas, we're focused on food. Um, Focus on other things. How about you focus on family? The holiday makes itself Focus on what you're grateful for. So for our Thanksgiving show, I did a show called Thank You for the Curses or Thanks for the Curses. Uh, Give some thought to all the blessings as well as the cursings in your life. Focus on those. And just find different ways to define. One of the things that I realized that I did was, you know, I travel a fair amount. And between travel for work and travel for leisure, I I get out and about quite a bit. So just in 2012, between September and January, I will have been to six countries in those months. And one of the things that happens when I travel that used to happen is I used to focus so much on the eating, right, because everything has to be sampled. It's new, it's interesting, have a three-course meal because you can, and because somehow when I'm gone, I just feel exempt from the usual rules. So in order to break that cycle, because, of course, I'd go traveling and the next thing I know I've gained back the 10 pounds that I just lost, right, and then I've got to struggle to get rid of them again. So one of the things I had to do was change my thinking around my travel. It was the travel and the sightseeing and the, the fulfilling work that made it interesting. It was the time I spent with my kids and the time I spent with my friends. That's what made it exciting. And so I had to start controlling my eating and eating just as if I was at home and not overeating just because I was out. If you eat, eat one day and burn off whatever you gained by the end of the following week. So if you eat a ton of stuff because you were traveling, uh, if you eat a ton of stuff because it's Thanksgiving, because it's Christmas, then commit that you are going to do whatever work it takes to get rid of that weight because I promise you this, and I found it to be true, I'd say to people, you know, i got to lose three pounds. And people would look at me and laugh and say, three pounds, that's nothing. And I'd say, well, that's exactly the point. Three pounds is a whole lot easier to lose than 20. And when I only have to lose three pounds, that is an easily attainable goal. I can manage to three pounds. Ten pounds, that's a whole lot harder. And so this is why you catch it when it's just a pound after Thanksgiving, because when Christmas comes, you know you're going to gain another pound. When New Year's comes, you know you might gain another pound. Well, that's three pounds. Get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. And other tips. Find a different, so we talked about different ways to comfort, different ways to reward, find in the same way, find different ways to cope. Some people, when they get really stressed 
or depressed, they go eat. I feel like I was blessed because I cannot eat when I'm stressed or depressed. If you see Spewe looking really skinny, it's because there are some either I have been overzealous in my working out or I have gone through or I'm going through some really difficult times. I lost a lot of weight when my father passed away because I couldn't eat. So I consider, you know, that the the, the silver lining, right? Well, my dad died and that really sucks. But looking on the bright side, I know I'm about to lose a whole lot of weight. And um, I don't worry about being too skinny because what I know is when the grief has passed its worst, its worst stage, my appetite is going to come back and I'll get back to my equilibrium. So if you're one of those people who likes to eat when they get depressed, then you need to find other outlets for your depression. And if it's uh, clinical, then you need to get some help in order to address that because sometimes those thought habits will not go away by themselves and sometimes because they are your thought habits, they're really difficult to overcome without professional help. Things that you can stop now that we've talked about how you think thinner, things that you can stop. Stop finding reasons to overeat. Stop making excuses for your poor willpower. Stop making excuses for why you eat. There will come a time when you will have to resist the temptation to inhale the food. Recognize that at the end of the day, no matter how you do it, there will come a time when you just have to make the choice that you're not going to eat that cookie, that cupcake. And so stop making excuses for why you have to have it. Stop making excuses not to work out. Um, A lot of times, you know, you hear this saying that you have to eat for two, for example, when you're pregnant. That's not actually true. When I got pregnant the first time, I was fixing to eat up house and home until I discovered that actually the amount that I needed to eat in my first trimester was only the equivalent of 300 calories or one candy bar. That's the only amount that you need to eat in excess when you are pregnant. So I couldn't even use pregnancy as an excuse to eat everything under the sun. Um, Stop making excuses not to work out. You don't need to be a member of an expensive gym. There's a lot you can do at home using your own body weight and resistance. Sit-ups, crunches, push-ups, squats, tricep dips against your stairs, lunges, planks. You can go running. You can go walking in your neighborhood. You can work out every part of your body without ever leaving your home or your neighborhood and without ever buying equipment. So I can't afford to go to the gym is not an excuse. I had a friend who was overweight. Um, He had gained about, you know, that 30 pounds in the past 10 years. And he had a gym in his house. And he had a car. He didn't use the gym in his house because he didn't like working out alone. He didn't want to go to the gym closest to his house because he didn't like that gym. He had a favorite gym, but he didn't want to go to that gym because uh, it was far away and he burned up a lot of gas and... Uh, When he got there, sometimes the friends that he liked to play basketball with were not there. So what that told me was when he went through all of these reasons why he couldn't work out, what that told me was he wasn't interested in working out. And because he wasn't interested in doing it, he was going to think of every excuse possible to not do it because personally I'm thinking when you're not working out and you have a gym in your house and you have the ability to go to a gym outside your house, then you clearly just don't want to. If he had spent half the energy coming up that he came up with excuses not to work out, just getting into his car and going, 
he would have been much better off. Now, when it when it comes time to work out, that is the one time I want you not to think. Um, here's why. Because when you think about working out, you're much more likely not to do it. I would think about when I when I when I started and I wasn't really motivated to do it, I'd think about whether I wanted to get out of bed and go work out. Then I think of all the reasons why I shouldn't. I didn't get enough sleep last night. I probably don't have a lot of energy. Why? It's cold outside. And anyway, and this and that and by the time I was done thinking through it, I'd look at the time and I'd say, Oh, see now I don't even have the time. So I just wouldn't do it. If I was at work, I'd think of why I shouldn't leave work to go to the gym. It's the end of the day. I'm tired. I still have work to do. I have to get home and start dinner. By the time I was done thinking about all the reasons not to, the time had passed again, and then I thought, shucks, look at the time. I really have to go to my next whatever it is that I have to do. And so I would not do it. The one commercial that I found most helpful was one that you might remember too. It came out, it was a Nike commercial, and it came out in 1999 as part of their Just Do It campaign. And in this commercial was this guy who jumped up in the morning and he went on his usual run. Except on this day it was January 1st, 2000. And remember all of the frenzy and all of the fear over Y2K and how all the systems were going to stop working and everything was just going to go haywire, right? So this guy is running, it's uh, Y2K is here, and indeed, all hell has broken loose in his neighborhood. So as he's running, you see all these, sin, these scenes of chaos around him. The buildings are exploding. There are giraffes and elephants running wild because they've, they've somehow escaped from the zoo. And there are people, you know, cars are crashing. People are screaming. And he is just single-minded, and he's just running in his Nikes. And at the end of it all, you know, I think Nike just had just do it. That was such an inspiring commercial for me because when I started thinking about whether I wanted to go to the gym, I set the time. And I said, okay, in the mornings I'm going to go to the gym. So I go to the gym at 4 o'clock in the morning because I'm a morning person. That's my time. But I set the clock, and when that clock when I heard that clock go off, I didn't think about it. I just got up and I went to the gym. I did not, That is the one time where you do not want to think, okay? And the other thing I would recommend, stop buying stuff. Don't use the newness of exercise equipment to motivate you. If it works, it will happen short term and stop working. If you want to buy something, Start by creating time when you're going to use it before you buy it and model the workout, and then you can use it as a tool. In other words, if you think to yourself, self, I'd really like to buy an ab isolator, right? Before you buy that ab isolator, spend the next 30 days spending time on the floor doing crunches or doing sit-ups or doing other things to work out your abs. If you can stick to that regimen, then that means that you've got the time carved out to use your ab isolator. If you don't make the time, then you're probably not going to use your ab isolator either. Other thing, accept the truth and have an objective barometer for truth. If the scale says you're gaining weight, it's not broken. You are. If your clothes stop fitting, it's probably not because they're shrinking. It's probably because you're gaining weight. If people are asking you when your due date is and you're not pregnant, don't get mad at them. It's you. 
If your spouse seems to be less attracted to you and you look now that you have another 15, 30, 45 pounds, don't rage about how you should be accepted for who you are inside. Both men and women can be visual creatures. If you were thin when he or she met you, try and maintain all the positive attributes that originally made you attractive because it might affect how attractive your spouse finds you. Other things. Focus on the benefits of not being overweight. Think about what that's going to look like. Think about how you're going to feel. Think about what people are going to say. Think about the fact that you can walk into any store and try on anything, and even if it's the worst design, it'll still look good on your body because you are that hot, right? Think about what success looks like. Visualize yourself being thin. And like I said earlier, my favorite Motivational speaker Zig Ziglar says, you move towards the strongest impression in your mind. And when he thought of himself as a fat boy, he talks about this in some of his talks, then that's what he was. When he thought of himself as someone who was slender and energetic and felt and in good health, then he became that. Personally, when I was losing the weight, I got a picture of Janet Jackson, whose body I happen to really admire when she's in her thin stages because As you've noticed, she too struggles with weight like most of us, right? And I got a photo of, you know, Janet, when she had those pow, pow, pow abs. I got one of those pictures where she wasn't wearing very much. And every day I would go into my bathroom and there was a picture of Janet Jackson and I would think to myself, yes, that's what I want to look like. And when I did How I Lost the Weight, I posted a picture of myself and I had, you know, Uh, I had pretty good-looking abs, so much so that I was able to wear my sports bra to the gym and not feel bad about it. So what you think is what you're going to look like. So if you think of yourself as thinner, then that is what you're going to be. Other things that you can stop thinking about. If you don't have a medical condition, stop making excuses for why you're overweight. Just because your parents are overweight doesn't mean that you have to be. You may have a predisposition to gaining weight, but you don't have to succumb to it. It might mean there are certain things that you should avoid eating. It might make it a little bit harder for you, but you can still not be overweight. Just because you're overweight doesn't mean your kids have to be. But if you don't want them to be, you need to change your feeding habits. Whatever you've been eating, don't give it to them. And if you're not giving it to your kids, then you shouldn't be eating it either. We don't have to gain weight as we get older. Don't think that because I'm over 40, I have to gain weight. Because I had children, I have to hold on to that those last 10 pounds. In my opinion, a lot of those things are myths perpetuated by laziness and bad eating habits of others. Too lazy to control your urges to eat Too lazy to work out, too lazy to develop a healthier diet. These are the things that get in the way of our being able to lose the weight. Having kids is no excuse for retaining the weight. I used to think, as a lot of people said to me before I had my first child, you are never going to be able to get rid of the 10 pounds, and I heard it so much. And there were so many women who said to me, see, I never lost the the last 10 pounds, to the point where I actually believed it. I really believed that It was a foregone conclusion, and it was a curse that I was just going to hold on to those last 10 pounds. And you know what changed my mind? And I thank God for this because I was sitting up one day watching Arsenio Hall way back when Arsenio was still on uh, TV. And Arsenio, and for those of you who don't know who he is, he had a late-night talk show. 
Arsenio one day invited Naomi Campbell, gorgeous model, tall. Now she's skinny. Uh, so he invites Naomi Campbell to come and do an interview. And I found out during that interview that this woman was, um, she's married to David Bowie, and the two of them had four, not one, not two, not three, but four children. And I remember thinking, what? That skinny woman has four children? And that was the day I lost my last 10 pounds. That was the day that I recognized that I did not have to accept those 10 pounds. Naomi Campbell might have a lot of resources to her uh, disposal, right? She probably had chefs. She probably has, you know, a gym and a trainer and all sorts of things, and she probably has access to all the surgery that she would want. But even with access to all the surgery that you would want, I still believe that your body requires you to do some work by yourself to lose that weight. So when I saw Naomi, then I realized that I didn't have to fall victim to the myth. And you don't have to fall victim to any of those myths either. You are not destined to be overweight. You are not destined to forever be miserable. You don't have to accept any of those things. And so today I encourage you to be hopeful and do not buy into those um, uh, thought habits. Do not allow them to control you. And so until next week, this is the saying go in peace and think Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.